There's nothing Emil Klein loves more than a good story. Hey, I'm Emil. Emil's currently bicycling across the country for five years, talking to as many people as he can and collecting their stories. Last summer, he passed through the town of Gibsonton, Florida. Uh, the whole town, I mean, there's no town. It was a ghost town. So there's one motel, and that's this motel. One of the men staying in the motel comes out of his room and approaches Emil. And says, oh, you looking to stay here? And I said, yeah. And he says, oh, it's not that bad, you know. There are cockroaches in my room, but that's because I have food in there. Somebody tried to break into my room, but they're not going to mess with you. Look, you have a bike. Who's going to try to steal from a guy with nothing? And we, we, like, strike up a conversation, and I'm telling about what I'm doing, going across the country, getting all these stories. And he says, you know, I think you would really like to hear my story, uh, and I'd be really pleased to share it with you. I'm a seven-time ex-con. This is a fantastic opportunity, and this person seems like a gentleman of sorts. And I said, well, yeah, I definitely think a lot of people would like to hear that story. I went into this situation with the general impression that everybody, if you're down to get down on a personal level, is going to be a cool person. And he came in, and we sat down and started the interview, and he really opened up. Just He went into all the tough emotional aspects that he went through in his life. He was crying a good amount of the time when he was telling me these stories about his life, because they were difficult to talk about, really tough subjects. Emil has never heard anything like this. It's a killer story. Everything he'd been circling the country and searching for this entire time. Unlike some of the prior experiences where I'd interviewed people and it seemed very difficult to ascertain the meaning on a universal level, this was obvious. And I was really excited to share this really important and not often shown or appreciated life with other people. After we had the interview, you know, I had explained to him that this was a pro bono thing, and I gave him my number and the websites and said, thank you, that's a wrap, that's the end of the night. And he lingered a moment and says, oh, well, hey, man, do you mind doing this thing for me? He wanted me to pay for his room for two nights. The interviewee says that his girlfriend will pay Emil back in the morning. For a second, Emil wavers. He doesn't want to have to pay this person for his story. That's just not how it works. But this is just a loan. So Emil decides to trust him. I, I mean, here, here it is. This guy's just given me this incredibly worthwhile portion of his life. When you have one of those heavy emotional talks with somebody and they really open up in that way to you, you imagine that that's some type of fast friendship that you've created with this person. It's kind of difficult to say no. So I say, sure. It just seemed like the right thing to do. We shake hands, I give him my word, and my word means a lot to me. But as they start to flesh out the details, everything starts to seem really sketchy. He wanted me to pay more than the room was going to be worth, three times as much. And now that's when it started getting like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. And he goes to his room, which just so happens to be right next to my room. I think scam, 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 scam. But I'm still thinking the whole time that this guy opened up to me. Do you think that he made up his whole life story? That's really hard for me to believe. When it seemed like he was trying to scam me, it didn't seem like anything was adding up. So the idea of somebody being like a mastermind and coming up with lies doesn't seem to be coherent. The interviewee is a totally different person now than he was when he was telling his story. But Emil still feels obligated to believe in him because he gave him his word and because he wants to use his story, which is just too good to give up. Yeah. I don't know which way to go. In the morning, Emil leaves his room to go to breakfast. And then 
I hear a door close. And I look over, and there's my next door neighbor, the interviewee. And he says, hey, where are you going? So I said, oh, you know, don't worry, we're all set. He said, well, why don't you come over into my room, have a meeting for a second. So I walk over to his room. He sits on his bed, and I'm standing by the door, my hand on the doorknob. And he says, well, what's going on, man? I thought we had something down. I thought we were set. I said, we are. He said, well, it looks like you're backing out. I said, well, I gave you my word. He said, politicians give their words. He said, police give their word. He said, well, I'm not a policeman. I'm not a politician. I'm, I gave you my word. I'm here. He starts spewing a few racial epithets at me, just saying honky, whitey, all you whiteys are the same. I mean, just most certainly I was afraid of him. I was in his castle. Emil nervously excuses himself and flees to a nearby diner. And there he realizes that he cannot bring himself to go back. Unfortunately, I guess, it's it's just like, all right, okay, fine, you know. I decided what I thought was best for me, and what seemed best for me in this situation was to run. And I cycled for two days and got to the other side of Florida, and my phone keeps ringing off the hook. So I listened to some of his voicemails, and they're like, hey, boy, I don't see you. I'm looking forward to seeing you, but you know, if you don't come through, I'm going to find you, and I'm going to kick the out of you. And just like message after message like that. And Emil looks at his tape recorder. He has this story in his hands, but does it really belong to him? I'm carrying his, his story on that recorder, and I feel like I'm carrying this thing that just keeps getting heavier and heavier. It's just weighing on me. I just deleted it. The moment pressing the button was like, it felt fantastic. I mailed the key back to the motel and included a letter which was addressed to this guy's room number. In the letter I said, I'm sorry that I went back on my word and I want you to know that that story's been deleted and nobody will ever hear that story because that's yours. So can you tell me even one tiny detail? About what he did, or, uh, you know. So the idea of doing that is just infeasible to me. You're going to let this be the greatest story never told. I mean, how many times do we have to go through this? I'm not going to tell you what he told me. That's the whole word thing, right? If I couldn't hold up to my word in one way, I had to figure out some way to hold up to my word. Now, Emil Klein has a fabulous job. He travels the country on his bicycle in search of the perfect story. We'll have a link on Emil's organization, Your U.S., on our website, snapjudgment.org. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.